Welcome to Lessons for Leaders. This week I'm talking to you about the best ways to find time to talk to people. It coincides with the time to talk day. However, it doesn't matter what way you have conversations with people, whether it's a quick text to a friend or making time to have conversations with colleagues or even that socially distanced walk with somebody or a friend. It has the power to make a big difference. So on this episode, I'm talking about everyday conversations you can have, work conversations, social conversations, and my top tips to get people talking and sharing real conversations that are helpful to their mental health and well-being, and yours too. Dive in to today's episode. So welcome to Lessons for Leaders. Each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stressed out and overwhelm so that I help you increase your performance, be resilient and thrive in life. I'm Emma Langton, your host, leadership coach and workplace trainer, helping you and your workforce increase that performance, improve well-being, and make the impact that you want in the world. Now, if you would like to know more about the different ways that you can work with me, but either with the making the well-being plans, work for your organisation, just having a uh, drop in with me to get some tips and advice in the way forward or perhaps dealing with particularly tricky people or um, helping you with some of the well-being packages that I have and well-being training sessions that I have or even if it's about one-to-one coaching, group coaching for your managers and coaching for your senior leaders, then please do get in touch with me. I'm always happy to have conversations. You can reach me at emma at emmalankton.com or just hop over to my website and find the booking link there that's either on the contact page or in the show notes and you can make a booking direct into my diary so we can have that conversation with you. If you're not ready to do that yet, then you can get onto my newsletter. Again, link in the show notes and information on my website at emmalankton.com. The newsletter sends out tips, information, statistics, the latest reports and the current organisational trends that are happening right now so that you don't have to dig around for it. It comes out monthly so you can guarantee that I won't be spamming you and then you can keep up to date with everything that's going on. And finally, a request from me that if you haven't hit the subscribe button or left a review for me, then please do go and find the little button and leave a review. Let me know your key thoughts and your takeaways and what you value most from the podcast. If you hit subscribe, it makes sure that you never miss another episode. So welcome back to the show. Can you believe it's my 40th episode of the Lessons for Leaders podcast? So that's an awful lot of hours that I've been talking to you. So what better way than to share some of the best ways to find time to talk to you, to to other people in your lives and in your work. It is vitally important that we have conversations with other people and with the pandemic, some of those opportunities, a lot of those opportunities in fact, have been removed from our everyday life and from society in general. It's important to remember that we are 
social mammals in essence and we lived in tribes and we are in groups and talking is that ability that we have that sets us apart from other creatures on the planet I suppose so this is why the ability to talk and to have conversations is so important I was talking with my husband recently and he works in a multinational corporate organisation. He'd been tasked with updating his health and safety online training, which generated some discussions with the kids who are 17 and 19. This discussion took place around the dinner table. That's the first thing. Do you find time to talk at home? I'm going to be talking about those everyday types of conversations. But we talk at home around the dinner table, making sure that phones are removed, TV's off. You know, occasionally we might have it on our knees, which is classed as a bit of a treat, really. But we try to make time to come together and to talk around the dinner table, more so during the pandemic than at any other time. So we were saying about how mental health and well-being is part of health and safety, yet it wasn't coming through on his online training. He was saying how he thinks that really, particularly in pandemic times and with all the social distancing and the working from home and the way that teams have become kind of separated and more spread out, that actually he thinks that managers really need to be taking time to have a 15-minute conversation with their team regularly, once a week, even if that's doable. They, in that organisation, it is classed as a key worker provision. They have people climbing ladders, driving, dealing with other people, etc., etc. I'm sure you can relate. So when we put the health and safety aspect of their mental well-being into the plan, where does that fit and how does it impact Are they okay to go out driving? Are they well enough to do the jobs that they have to do? It was quite a discussion and it's probably one that you might want to have, say, in your kind of office environment, your team meetings and the people that you work with. So when and how do you have conversations? Here's some of the ones that we talked about. In everyday life conversations, it starts with, you know, that one thing. Do you talk at home, as I said, around dinner table? Or who do you live with? Who do other people in your team, your organisation, your friendship group, your family, who do they live with? What's the environment like for you, for them there? Do they have people to talk to? Or are they getting up, living in a room, working in that room? You know, maybe in shared houses. Are they living on their own in a flat or house but where they only they are the only person and they don't see other people one of the things that we talked about around our dinner table about some of the everyday life conversations when we walk charlie our dog and all of us said that we say a quick hello good morning hi there to people we pass in the street why because it occurred to us that we might be the only people that they see that day You know, they are out perhaps for their daily walk on a trip to the shop or whatever. They're certainly not getting a bus or going into town or, you know, going the other places that we used to do. As much as we miss them, we might be the only person they speak to. 
the girls both work in a supermarket and they said they do the same. They talk to people on the dog walk, but in the supermarket, they also say hello to someone who maybe reminds them of their gran or granddad. They're not with us anymore, but they particularly say hello and smile to some of the older people. And it's important to make eye contact. <laughs> I was so proud, so blooming proud of them when they said that. But it's something, you know, that's worth remembering and might be something that you want to do too because not only does it make that other person feel good and feel welcomed and noticed and valued, actually it can lift your feel-good spirits as well. Work conversations. You know, we were talking about this with the triggered by the health and safety that my husband had. Are you making time to have one-to-one conversations with your people? I know it might sound like a big task, but think about how it might save you time, effort and organisational procedures and even budget in the long run. If you take time to have conversation with somebody that then they don't end up going off sick, they then tell you about a little bit that they're struggling with, that then means that you can do some adjustments or you can buddy them up with somebody or you can arrange to check in with them on a little bit more regular basis. How much is that going to save you on additional budget that might be needed to... Um, I don't know, bring in somebody that covers their role or to be paying overtime to people where they need to step up and do some of that task because that person's ended up off sick. Or even doing all the organisational things about occupational health and EAP and things like that. Maybe it's going to save you all of that and surely that's going to be, you know, a better and more preventative way and actually help you to feel good about being able to support that person and head them off at the pass. Here's a story about a true event that I had a conversation with one of my coaches about. So it was a team leader that they had in their organisation. They knew that she had anxiety, but she lives with it quite well. It just does restrict a couple of aspects of the work that she does. However, the anxiety means that she worries about her job and her effectiveness and so often stays longer because she works harder. So that probably means that she's also more tired, even though she's very dedicated to the role. Also, as an aside between you and me, anxiety can be quite a pest that kind of nags away on the inside of your mind. So when we're on our own, if that person has anxiety and they're on their own, it's nagging away at them. It's chivying up, you know, the thought processes and the worries that exacerbates the anxiety. So for her, possibly staying on at work distracts her from that. And that's something that's worth bearing in mind about getting the balance. So anyway, this team leader has somebody phoning sick. So she takes a double shift and does a driving role. Then she's out on the driving role and she has an accident. So then that causes a whole knock-on effect of procedures and impact and cost, etc, etc, etc. You know, the van's off the road, there's insurance premiums, there's costs to pay, there's work to do in sorting out all of that. There's investigation conversations to have, all the stuff you can imagine. She's a lovely person, but was it right, and she was keen to help, but was it right to let her drive? Whose responsibility was it to stop her and to maybe work a little bit harder at finding an alternative person to do the driving? Would a conversation that went differently have resulted in something different? Would previous conversations that sent her home sooner 
or more frequently mean that she was less tired on the day that she did the double shift? Who knows? We actually don't have the answers, but it does raise questions about where conversations can be taking place that could mean that there's less work to do following the accident or that the accident didn't happen at all. When a conversation is rushed or taking place in the office or on the shop floor or office floor or manufacturing floor, or, you know, so shop floor, so to speak, then you're going to get some dismissive answers that I'm fine, I'm okay, no, it's all right, I'll do it, it's not a problem. So that again is where it's really important to make time to talk properly in a one-to-one environment where you've created the time and the right space for that conversation to take place and actually listen to the answers. When you do that, you have the ability to put in other skills to gauge body language, to look at signals, different ones that come through, maybe turn of voice. How quick are they to answer? Are they shuffling around in the chair with body language? Are they looking away from you? Are they smiling? What's the facial expression like? So you can read different things when you are just saying, can we just pop to the office for 10 minutes? Can I just have a conversation at the end of the team meeting with you? I just want to check in with you. You see, there's social talk that you can think about. Are you picking up the phone and having good old fashioned conversations? As I like to say to people, when I'm fixing things with people and I say, does Jim call all right? Do you want a good old fashioned conversation? You know, because it does seem like it's an old fashioned thing to do. Nobody does it. Somebody messaged me just today and said, are you free to talk? They didn't just pick up the phone. We've got this good British stigma about, oh, I don't want to impose. You know, oh, you know, that person might be busy. Um, I don't want to put upon them. That was a phrase that my dad used to say. I don't want to put upon people. So yes, it's fine to say, you know, have you got a minute? But actually, you can just pick up the phone and say that. Have you got a minute? You know, have you got time? Many people are saying that they're zoomed out and they're fed up of video conferencing. So when I say to them, it's about making sure that you make time to do those connections that you're not getting and the connections that you're missing. And people go, yeah, 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 but I'm fed up of it. I'm, you know, I'm zoomed out. The online chats are not the same as telephone conversations. Online chats in a team are quite busy and when they're done in the workday and you're thinking about other things and you're multitasking, it's not the same. So even making an online chat that is absolutely and definitively set aside to be casual and checking in with just a cuppa, with everything else switched off and for a set time zone of say 15 minutes, they can be really useful. However, Picking up the phone and calling someone when you're out on your daily walk or, you know, as I am out with the dog or making time to just sit and talk can be really beneficial for you and for them. It gives different vibes, different feelings, different chemicals are happening and actually we have different levels of conversation. So give these calls and conversations your undivided attention you get that much better reward and so will the other person. So think about some of the things, the ways that you can have these everyday conversations, some of the work conversations that I've talked about and some of the social conversations that you make sure happen in your day rather than deciding that you're too busy and that they're just not taking place. 
Think about what you will do today or this week to ensure that you do make time to talk. And when you do make time to talk, I want to just add in some of the top tips that I talk to with different people all of the time. Don't try to fix things. Listening is huge, massively impactful to just listen without jumping in with, I just do this and just do that. I watch out on LinkedIn and social media because I am going to be sharing separately a conversation I had where somebody just jumped in and presumed that they knew what they needed to sort out for me. But I'm not going to take up time on this podcast. But if you want to know about it, drop me a quick email or message and I will make sure that you uh, get information about that one. It's funny and not funny. But you're not an expert and you don't have to be because that listening, as I said, is huge. And often, the fact that you are just listening is hugely beneficial. And people feel better, they feel heard, and they feel like somebody actually cares. Ask how you are and ask it twice. This is also on the time to talk um, tips and advice, but it's one that I say to people. So how are you? Yeah, yeah, fine, fine, good, thanks to you. Yeah. And then how are you really? Okay. But that's easier to do when you're not kind of on the shop floor, as I've been calling it. Get comfortable with silence. Because when you go, and how are you really? And they kind of start squirming a little bit in their chair. You need to get comfortable with the silence to give them time to think, to give them time to formulate their answer. So have a go at those things. See if that's helpful for you. Do let me know. And again, if you've got any questions and want any further information about how I can help you or your organisation, get in touch. And then I wish you a great week. Make sure you keep talking and have a fantastic week, everybody. Bye for now.